1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
0: We're back talking families with Family Voice Australia today. More challenging thoughts on what Christians do to live and model God's Word for our generation. Well, today, a focus on health and welfare. You know that we've been talking about education, health, and welfare, and where families sit with a biblical foundation. So, today, health and welfare of our families and a Christian stewardship and responsibility. Andrew McColl is the Family Voice Australia State Director for the State of Queensland. Back with us, Andrew, a special welcome back to 2020.
1: Hello, Neil. It's it's nice to be back with you again.
0: Andrew, uh, we're often talking about these topics and we seem to go a little deeper every time we've been discussing education and uh, health and welfare, the other two. Let's get a bit of a focus on health today. Where do we start?
1: <clears throat> well, I start, want to start, Neil, with a quotation from a favourite author of mine, Russus John Rush Dooney. He lived from 1915 to 2001 and he wrote a lot of material. And he, I want to just uh, quote from, from him where he writes that that the modern man seeks to create a humanistic justice by means of his social planning, laws and education to enable himself to establish a just order apart from god history gives us the continuing shipwrecks of all such efforts for all such men their laws are attempts to force their particular doctrines of justice and order on men and nations in so doing they affirm the claims of the tempter in genesis 3:15, that man as his own god and law can determine good and evil establish the true paradise on earth And declare God to be irrelevant and wrong.
0: Well, let's get into some of the nitty gritty. That is a powerful quote, I might say. And, uh, you know, this thought of establishing a just order apart from God. This is where these conversations are set apart, aren't they? Because we will be saying. How do we understand as Christians a biblical foundation for taking responsibility for some things in our lives? Because if we leave it to others, someone will try to get a just order apart from God. Let's talk the modern day. We've got so much access to social media and we can go on to YouTube. The Internet is amazing. We can actually have all of the sorts of knowledge that might be necessary for us to help make us some wiser decisions. That might be one of the upsides, mightn't it, uh, when we've got some modern technology? Well, this is the thing, and it's a great advantage for families today
1: that, that uh, the internet is there to be used, and it gives us, with all this free information that we can access on diet, exercise, and a multitude of health issues, and research is continually improving this. Now we have helpful YouTubes by great medical people available for millions of families such as Dr Berg, one one fellow that, that we found very helpful in our family. And just along with that, a first aid kit for home and car along with the associated knowledge and training are great assets for every family. Accidents do happen, particularly with children and sometimes with adults behaving like children. Genesis 35 speaks of both the nurse and the midwife being present in Jacob's extended household. What does this mean? Well, sometimes we all need professional help. And when we go back to scripture and go back to Exodus, as we've talked about before, we see there in Exodus chapter 1 the two midwives who feared the Lord and they refused to obey the government's edicts to murder Hebrew baby boys. This has suddenly got very serious, hasn't it? And isn't it interesting that in both Jesus and Moses' day, a godless government, the Bible shows us, chose to murder male babies.
0: You know, there's some really serious consequences when the state has control, and those sorts of edicts can be issued, and those biblical foundations. Just to just to reflect on this particular part of our conversation here, Andrew, because knowledge is more than it has ever been, as you say, and this is a good time in history and upside where you can get knowledge about all sorts of issues around health. Uh, There's this other contrast that people will often bring in. Uh, Knowledge is not always wisdom. So I'm assuming here that you're not demonising our healthcare professionals uh, but uh, you're bringing a context here that says, how do you take personal responsibility and not just rely on others and what others say is right for you and your family?
1: Well, what we have to realise with that, with those two ladies, is that is that when when you shift the responsibility for for health away from the family, that will not work out very well. Do we really want decisions about our children's health, for instance? being made by someone who we've never met and never will. And that involves consequences for us that are just not very appealing at all. And so we we yes I, I definitely don't want to demonize healthcare authorities or, or healthcare professionals and their help is wonderful. Of course we need doctors and nurses and midwives and all sorts of specialists in their fields. And we appreciate the contribution that they bring. But nevertheless, we want to be able to say, yes, we want to be able to go to those people when we want them, but also to acknowledge that the first responsibility for the individual's health is with him or her and with the family that they are part of.
0: And so good to get a biblical foundation around these issues of education, health and welfare. And we're focusing on health today. And when it comes to the authorities that govern our health department, we're talking about government and government decisions. And uh, we hope government is our servant and not our master. Uh, I guess it comes down to an understanding of how civil government is actually supposed to work? Is there a biblical foundation for how civil government's supposed to work? Is it supposed to be encroaching on everyone's rights around these sorts of issues?
1: Well, these are these are important points to make, Neil. And what we understand from, say, Romans chapter 13, where Paul talks to us and says that civil government is, is basically responsible to bear the sword. That means it should deal with evildoers biblically and justly. And we would say, well, I would say that would involve capital punishment for capital crimes such as murder. But God has not asked government to oversee health care. This is a family task. It's no accident today in Australia that we have seven Australian departments of health in the state and federal context. And they actually oversee the slaughter of some 80,000 babies in the womb is that a shocking contradiction shouldn't we call those departments of death so really it means that our public hospitals today are not as safe as they ought to be
0: isn't it amazing because we're seeing all sorts of developments around what's happening in our hospital system and uh, even those hospitals that have held a pro-life position up until now <coughs> are being leaned on by powerful forces within government uh, to alter the way they <coughs> see the value of human life. So what you're saying is not far from uh, the reality of what we're seeing right now. And so uh, government overseeing health care, that's got... It's dangers when you talk about it in the way that you do, around uh, issues to do with who determines whether you are valuable or not. Uh, You've got to take that responsibility yourself and within your family.
1: Well, that's right, And, and that's what those two ladies did back in Exodus 1. They made the decision themselves that they would not participate in what Pharaoh wanted them to. They were very brave. They took their lives in their hands Uh, and, And the interesting thing about that, Neil, is if we read that text carefully in Exodus 1, we'll see that God blessed those two women in their deception and disobedience to Pharaoh. And actually God gave them children of their own. And so this shows us that the notion of unconditional obedience to any human authority is not found in the scriptures.
0: Interesting, isn't it, that we come to a point where we say the Bible has wisdom to speak into the circumstances of today. If you're looking for biblical foundations around influence and the motivations that healthcare practitioners might have, because, uh, you know, lots of us will say the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, is something that aligns with a Christian biblical position on how we hope that our healthcare practitioners will function. How do you see some of those things? Because there seems to be a drift in people who are in the medical profession uh, making decisions about the value of human life when really those are the sorts of things you're arguing today, Andrew, ought to be the responsibility of the family.
1: Well, that's right. And so when when we're talking about someone who's employed say by a family like a doctor or a nurse or whatever and theirs is simply a fee for service transaction for the patient's sake that keeps it simple but what if something happens whereby the regulator and we do have a regulator in Australia it's called AHPRA which is an acronym for Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency what if the regulator becomes compromised themselves what if regulatory capture as robert kennedy jr calls it takes place what if the regulator is being subjected to outside influence for instance in an australian context and this is a little bit light-hearted way what if the melbourne cup handicapper has friends who are trainers what happens to his objectivity with horses weights so that's where the matter of the regulator being being compromised uh, comes into question pretty seriously. And we've had this happen in the last 10
0: years or so. And I guess there are examples. I mean, we've had uh, pandemics and not just the COVID pandemic of recent times. I know you like to reflect on all sorts of examples from the past where regulators uh, take upon themselves the authority that then begins to trample on the autonomy, the freedom of individuals and of families to make their own decisions. Uh, how do you reflect on some of the history here?
1: Well, what I ought to do is Neil, and for our listeners' sake, is to is to quote from a, an author who I came across some three years ago. His name is Ian Davis. That's Ian spelled I-A-I-N. He wrote an article called Coronavirus and What You Are Not Being Told in April 2020. Uh, And I quote from his article. He said, in 2009, the world went crazy after the WHO, or the World Health Organization, declared the H1N1 influenza pandemic. This resulted in... Billions being spent on very expensive H1N1 vaccines and antiviral treatments, although it turned out the pandemic was indistinguishable from seasonable flu. The only people who benefited from pointless vaccines and unnecessary medication were the manufacturers, Glasso Smith Clean, Roche, and Novartis. Each one of these pharmaceutical corporations were among the largest. Voluntary contributors to the WHO in the 2002, uh, 2008 and 2009 financial year. So with an $84 million investment, the Swiss pharmaceutical giant Rocher were the largest single contributor into the WHO's coffers that year. Luckily, as it turned out, they could afford it because sales of their unnecessary Tamiflu H1N1 medication rocketed to more than 3 billion pounds following the who's the, the who's declaration of the h1n1 pandemic which was just
0: a coincidence unquote well interesting isn't it uh, to reflect on a uh, big pharma as people call it and conflicts of interest or uh, or influence by way of being a financial contributor to the authorities who make the decisions, and so uh, somehow or other, uh, would you say there needs to be more transparency or regulation around uh, who gets to influence the decision makers at that level?
1: Well, all of that is very true, and what we keep coming back to all the time is the fact that that in all of these things, whether we're talking about education or health and or welfare, decentralisation will always be a good idea, which simply means come back to the local people, the local place, the local home, the local family, so that you and I can be making decisions about family ourselves, because everybody's context is different. That doesn't mean that everything that our federal government tells us to do we should avoid or ignore. It simply means that the best and safest place health care is within the family that's been our way since genesis what's convinced us that government can do a better job it hasn't and it won't despite all the promises so frankly at the end of the day we're better off to stick to god's way of doing things and god's way for your health and mind is always going to be in the context of family
0: Uh, No doubt there'd be all sorts of uh, people who'd have their own position on all of this. Uh, Effectively, you're arguing here that if you're looking to apply a biblical model to how we care for the health of our own individual selves and for our families, that somehow or other you've got to find a model that can be a little bit more robust. And you're talking about competition uh, for patients, And uh, so competition in the medical market, I mean, these days, you know, you've got uh, Medicare and uh, all sorts of ways that that people can be looked after in their health care needs. But uh, the way that you might bring about some sort of a change, competition into that market where patients actually make the call as to what's needed, Uh, thoughts here around that, Andrew? Well, yeah, the
1: thing is, Neil, if, if families were entirely responsible to oversee their own health, and they employed professionals where necessary to do so, and all hospitals were private institutions, we'd be saving ourselves an astonishing amount of money. There'd be competition for patients, and that would actually be a good
0: thing. Okay, competition for patients and uh, an interesting development uh, around this thinking and, you know, there might be some who might be thinking, well, it's a very sophisticated thing, our healthcare industry, and uh, to come up with a a way of thinking about how you apply a biblical solution there. Uh, For some, that'll take a little bit more deeper thinking, maybe for some a little bit more convincing. But there is somewhere to start there when you recognize that authorities don't always have the best interest of the individual and of family members at their heart. And somehow or other, taking that sort of responsibility as an individual and for your family is where you're at with a biblical foundation before God. That stewardship of not only our assets, but those who are closest to us, our spouse and our children. Always great insights from you, Andrew McColl, Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland, for listeners to connect with Andrew. You might even want to ask Andrew a question. Connect with him at the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. Just to mention, Andrew is an author of multiple books, some called They Shall Become One. The Significance of the Godly Family, Inherit the Earth, and the Great Christian Revolution. Uh, You can connect with Andrew at familyvoice.org.au. Andrew, thanks so much for another update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. God bless.
1: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.